You are mine now. You belong to me. Today we are going to play a new fun game. Welcome to the Dream Peaks podcast. My name is Vladislav. My name is Ivanka. Ivanka, <laughs> this is our vampire episode. I'm going to stop doing the voice. I'm not going to do the voice for the whole, for the whole episode. I'll get a sore throat and then we won't be able to record. This is our vampire episode, Ivanka. And we'll be talking <laughs> what we do in the shadows. And did I say that right, Ivanka? Ivanka. Yeah. Ivanka. Yes. That's his good. <laughs> from, from Russian to German, I'm going. Yeah, I don't know what accents these are, but you know, we'll, we'll go with it. It's just part of the fun, isn't it? So this is, this is our vampire episode, and we're going to be talking Let the Right One In and What We Do in the Shadows. After that, we're going to pick some films for the next episode where we take it in turns to pick a theme. This week, it's your, your choice, your, your turn to pick yes. a theme. And then the last bit is Stitch Up, and I had to watch Snakes on a Train. So uh, strap yourself in. It's going to be a, a hell of a ride. But before all that, we like to have a little catch-up, don't we? We like to have a little catch-up, find we out what we've been doing with our lives and stuff. What? And I ain't been doing nothing, so it's it's all you. I'll go and I'll go. And that was quick. Do you want a cup of tea? <laughs> yes, please. Um, what have I been up to? So, uh, your mates. Well, they're our mates. They're our friends. They're our podcast pals. Yeah, movie drone. They've put me on the wall of shame. Oh dear! And how does it feel to be on the wall of shame? Well, I'm a I'm a vampire, so I'm hanging off the wall of shame pretty well. Oh, you're all right. Yeah, you're good. You just duck your claws in it now. <laughs> you could even just fly it, really. Just hover very near to the wall of shame. You don't have to be on it, do you? Just hovering for a week on the wall of shame. I'll, uh, next week's episode, I will share the question that I'm going to give to Mark and Steve. And hopefully that will get you off the wall of shame. Well, hopefully not, actually. It would be nice if you stayed up there for a while. We could do the podcast from the wall of shame. It's not, it's not enough that we do the podcast on opposite ends of the world. Let's do it from like different heights as well. Yeah, why not? Well, I've, well, I've never been on this ball of shame. I want to know all about it. I want to take, take loads of photos. I want to see loads of slides. Why have you not been on the wall of shame? I've got my own blanket of shame. I don't need their wall of shame. Been uh, playing around with our logo as well. Pretty much there, aren't we? Yeah, almost there. Just a few little things little things that we need to tweak and then should have a new logo for our pod brilliant i've got a few ideas for some jingles as well i don't know i Ooh. mentioned this to you a few weeks ago and i've been slowly writing a couple of things uh, in between editing and obviously i'm really busy so i've been in a lot of sleeping you've said you've been doing a lot of sleeping i mean we're vampires we don't do we do vampires sleep they don't well, sleep during the day yeah i mean Obviously, today we're recording a podcast, so I can't sleep right now. But I've got the blinds closed. I've, I've put some, <laughs> I've put some sunblock on, so it might be all right. If it gets too warm, I'll have to put my motorcycle helmet on, like he does in Blade, because that works. What else have you been doing? What else? That that is all that I've been doing. Been watching. This is it. I've been watching some movies. What am I doing? What is his accent? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We definitely, we're, I think we're just covering all of Europe. I think that's the, that's the idea. Shall I do a Cockney vampire? Yeah, do it. Oh, fuck me. All right, mate. I'm going to do an <laughs> apple, apples and pears Cockney one. <laughs> apples and pears? I'm a vampire, mate. I don't use the apples and pears. I fly up them. I'm not here to fuck spiders. Is that right? Oh, well, I am. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought this was the fucking spider's room. That's why I came. If it's not, I'll leave. Oh, that's a classic line, isn't it? Classic, classic Aussie slang. Because this week I've been a vampire. I've been sleeping all day, so I haven't had that much to do. So I've been really just watching films, mate. I watched, I watched a Suspiria remake a few days ago. Oh. Which came out yeah. in 2018. It was directed by Luca Guadagnino, who did Call Me By Your Name. Which is, um, I watched that, I think last year I watched that, and that's, that's quite good. I chose, did I choose that for work when we used to do a movie per week? I think that was one of my films. I think it was one of yours. Yeah, I watched it. I remember watching it on a on a Saturday morning. Yeah, that, that was a lovely film. Um, but yeah, he he did the remake of Suspiria, which came out in in twenty eighteen, and it's good. Mm. It kind of uses the premise of the seventy seven version, but it does go off in its own direction and it does its own thing. And there's a couple of really memorable scenes in there. 
Tilda Swinton's in it. She plays three characters. Not, mm. I don't want to spoil anything for anyone that hasn't seen it, but yeah, she plays three characters in the film. And apparently what she did was she created a fake IMDb profile page for an actor that was playing one of these roles. So she pretended to be a dude who was playing a role in Suspiria. Oh, but she was saying it right. was her all along. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take credit for that. That was a courtesy of Radio Gorefest, that fact. So thank you very much. Uh, the first one's really good. I watched it for the first time last year. And uh, I really like it, the way it looks and all the sounds and especially that music. And it's, it's the better film, in my opinion, because it's that hypnotic trance kind of feel, like, like fairy tale fantasy kind of thing. And it's shorter. The new one is bastard long. It's two and a half hours. It was good. It was a good remake. You know, it's, it was kind of remake that, they're not completely remaking exactly the same film. They're doing something different with it, which is, I think is what you have to do with a remake, with a good remake anyway. On Friday, Red Sparrow was on TV. So, but I missed the first like 15, 20 minutes of it and then I couldn't get into it. So and then I put on This Is Where I Leave You. It was all right. I mean, easy watch if you want something easy to put in the background. I watched a documentary called Eating Animals about you know, the meat industry in the US and how they treat their chickens and their cows and stuff. And just seeing how farmers, I guess, farmers work and the pressure by the big, big companies to, you know, have more animals in a smaller space. And then seeing other farmers that do, they're like, oh no, we, you know, we want to treat the livestock properly. Yeah. So they go a whole different way. It's really good. I um I watched The Game Changer earlier this year. My my brother and my sister-in-law, they're both vegan. They're like, oh, you're going to watch this film, watch this documentary, and it will make you want to be vegan or yeah. vegetarian, whatever. Not quite now being vampire. <laughs> don't think I want to be vegetarian. <laughs> you don't get many vegetarians. Not ideal. <laughs> I watched I watched Super Size Me too a few months ago, and that was it. Sounds like it was sort of along That's similar fine. lines. He was talking about he was opening a chicken shop, and so he was looking into the manu- you know the processing of the chickens and where they're kept and how they're kept and the loopholes that these big companies use to treat them badly and stuff. You know, that it, it was fascinating, um, but yeah, it's hard to watch stuff like that. Have you seen Okja? I have. That's really good. I love that film. I think it, I, think, I need to watch it again. But I thought that was that's got Tilda Swinton in it as well. We need to do a Tilda Swinton double bill, hmm. right? Because I looked up a IMDb list the other day, and she's got so much stuff. But yeah, done. Okja's like a had a similar effect where you get really attached to that animal, didn't you? I did anyway. Yeah. Okja. But we're vampires. We can't keep talking about being vegetarians and vegans because that's not what we do, mate. <laughs> no, that's not what we do. You ever no. seen a vampire eat a carrot? No. <laughs> They'll vomit it straight back up. I watched a really average film. A lot of my films this week have been pretty average. I watched something today called The Long Weekend, which is an Australian film done in the 70s, I think. Yeah. And it, it's like... Because it was a horror film, I was like, oh, yeah, we're kind of vampires, scary movie. Let's watch this. And it, I have to say, I was a bit bored by the the characters in it. So it's like this um, married couple who she cheated on her partner with either the neighbour or something. And they're just like, they're at the end of their relationship and they're just constantly nagging at each other. And it just did my absolute head in. The great stitch off film if you ever want to give it to me later in life. Fuck me. I was just like, oh, just get to the point. Just get to what the fuck is happening. And then he ends up dying by getting hit by a car. Oh, there we go. Spoilers. Don't need to watch it now then. He dies. <laughs> Let me just save you the pain and just don't watch that film. Don't recommend it. And then the last thing I watched was Let Me In, which is the remake Ooh. of Let the Right One In. Brilliant. You watched the remake. So I originally I started off with Let the Right One In and then I saw on Stan that they had Let Me In. So I thought, why not see the comparisons between the two films? Yeah, so on that note, let's move on to the main section. And this time the topic is vampires. If you hadn't vampires. guessed already from all of the vampire shit we've been doing, 
And this time I thought I'd do a little bit of research. I wanted to know a little bit more about where vampires came from in pop culture and their kind of early appearances and that sort of stuff. I ain't done that much research, mate, but I've done a little bit. So I'm just going to bore you to tears with that now. One of the first appearances of vampires was in a short German poem, The Vampire, which was in 1748. And that was, that was actually inspired by uh, a, t- a period in time called the vampire craze. And what happened was in the mm. 17, apparently, this is all Wikipedia. So in the 1720s and the 1730s, <laughs> uh, suspected yeah. vampires were uh, exhumed. So they would dig up their graves and do rituals and stuff at them because they thought they were, they were vampires. The first appearance of a vampire in a book wasn't until 1st of April, 1819, with John William Polidori's The Vampire, uh, and that was kind of loosely based on Lord Byron. And there was a Lord Byron reference in what we do in the shadows as well. So it was nice to it's nice to see mm-hmm. them calling back to, you know, older stuff. Yeah. Obviously, I think the most popular piece of vampire fiction is probably Dracula, right? It's it's the thing that kind of where all modern vampire stuff has come from, I, I would say. But that we're gonna out... say Twilight for a sec. <laughs> Twilight? What's Twilight? I don't, it doesn't exist, does it? That wanky teen drama. <laughs> that like CITV. Someone's gonna. <laughs> Someone's gonna get stitched up with that film sooner or later. Fuck me! I'm amazed it ain't been on. To be honest, we missed a trick, didn't we? You should have put it in a vampire episode. Continue, continue with your vampire facts, Dan. I'm just write down Twilight Seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what was I saying? So Bram Stoker, right? Bram Stoker. So. Probably the most popular bit of, of vampire fiction, I would say, Bram Stoker's Dracula, came out in 1897. Bram Stoker spent seven years researching vampire folklore, uh, and he, wow. he, studied, he studied an essay by Emily Gerard, and she'd written an essay in 1885 called The Transylvania Superstition, which was all about the, the folklore and stuff. And, uh, and, but the name Dracula was actually came drawn from a, a real-life human um, who was called Vlad the Impaler, but his real name was... I'm going to screw this up. His real name, real name was Wallachia Vlad the Third. Wallachia Vlad Three Dracula. That's what we'll say. His surname was Dracula. Wallachia. That don't sound right, does it? Wa- Wa- <laughs> Is it Wa- like Wa- Italian? I don't know. His surname, his surname was Dracula, and he was also known as Vlad the Impaler. First, first film, Nosferatu, 1922. Yeah, so on that note then, shall we, um, shall we move on to the reviews where we've got to talk about Let the Right One In and what we do in the shadows. Let's start with Let the Right One In, shall we? Because it's, it's, uh, it's kind of bleak, it's kind of dark, and we can cheer ourselves up with, um, with vampire gags and laughing at werewolves and, <laughs> and, f- and dodgy face cats. Let the Right One In. This was one of your choices, and I, I chose this from your list. It's a mm-hmm. 2008 Swedish film directed by Thomas Alfredson. Alfredson? Directed by Thomas Alfredson. 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 Yeah. I'll say all of them, and then I'll listen to how it's pronounced, and I'll cut the right one in. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like, yes, I've got this first time. But I'm going to completely screw it when it comes to the cast. Right, so it's directed by that bloke. It's under yeah. 15 minutes long, right? So the tagline is, Ely is 12 years old. She's been 12 years old for 200 years and she just moved in next door. Synopsis is set in 1982 in a suburb of Blackburg, Stockholm. 12-year-old Oscar is a lonely outsider, bullied at school by his classmates at home. Oscar dreams of revenge against a trio of bullies. He befriends his 12-year-old next-door neighbour, Ely, who only appears at night in a snow-covered playground outside their building. The cast, here we go, I've been putting this off. So the cast is... (laughs) Kea Hedebrandt. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Lena Leanderson as Ely and Per Ragnar as Hoken. Uh, that's good enough. I mean, I've made an effort. Yeah. What more can you ask for? It's lucky I'm not doing it in a silly <laughs> vampire voice. The budget was 29 million Swedish kroners, which is about 3.3 million in today's money. I did the conversion. I went on, oh, went on XC and did the conversion, mate. It was like being back at work again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, about 3 million, 3.3 million. Worldwide box office was 11 million. Based on a novel by John Ashfield Linkvist. And the title, the title of Let the Right One In is based on a Morrissey song. You know, let the right one in, let the right one. I assume it goes something <laughs> like that, like all of his songs do. God, I'm unhappy. I'm a vampire. Let the, yeah. Um, <laughs> let the right none in. <laughs> let the right none in. Cold. 
<laughs> Let the right Let the in. Right one. We don't like we don't like Catholics as vampires. We don't <laughs> like Christians. <laughs> There is a crucifix behind you. Come on, we gotta get serious, mate. This is a serious film. <laughs> right, I, right out the gate, I'm not. I'm not gonna fuck about. I'm just gonna say I thought this film was fantastic. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I loved the tone of it. The like the loneliness of the landscapes and the snow and how bleak it was, and I loved it. I, I just thought it was great. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go off. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you waiting and say, oh, did he like it? Did he not? I'm just gonna say no. <laughs> brilliant. Kim, well, I guess I watched both. I watched the Americanized version of this film and the Swedish film, which is what we chose for the double bill. Yeah. I guess like you know, our, our, your mate or our mate Albert. If he was, he would probably, do you think he would hate watching this being in Swedish? Yeah. He doesn't like foreign films. No, he tried to ban any subtitle films from Stitch Up. So, like, Let Me In would be a reasonable alternative, I would say. So at the start of Let the Right One In, Oscar, he's, you know, talking to himself and trying to, you know, pretend that he's talking to the bullies and standing up for himself. Uh, Ellie and her... I guess father figure, we could say. You could say that. Do we know who this person ends up being? Is it like her master or? The, the, the character named Hoken, and he's kind of, I guess in vampire folklore, he would be the familiar. There's a whole backstory to him in the book. I haven't read the book, but I've done a little bit okay. of research. Uh, and his character is, is, is developed a lot in the book, but not in the film. And I'm kind of glad that they left it out of the film, to be honest, because it turns out that he was actually a, um, a teacher and he had been struck off for possessing child pornography. So he got struck off. And then in the book, Ely finds him as a, like a homeless alcoholic and then recruits him. And the whole, the whole kind of subtext is that he's in love with her. So, you know, weird. But yeah, so you were talking about the dad, pseudo dad character. I guess, because you're kind yeah. of made to think that he's a kind of father figure, aren't you? That's the whole idea. He's meant to look yeah. like their dad. So in Let Me In, what, what, what's the character's name again? Hoken. I don't know what it is in the American one. It's, it's probably Trevor or something. Call him Trevor. Why not? We'll call him Trev. <laughs> Good old Trev. Trev's in hospital. Call him Mr. T. <laughs> Mr. <Sorry>. T. <laughs> we need to be serious about this film. This yeah, you're right. Film. We do. We do. We, we do the knob gags later. So he's in, he's in hospital and the police are like trying to figure out what happened to him. And you see him, uh, it looks like he committed suicide, but Ellie's uh, character, which her name's Abby in the ah. Americanized version. Okay. Uh, you know, bites him and then he falls out of the window. So it looks like he committed suicide. In the Americanized version, they jump forward to that scene and then go two weeks beforehand and it kind of repeats itself exactly how, you know, the Swedish version is, which I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit boring. You know, I think maybe if I didn't watch them at the same time, it would be a different, I would think differently of it. Yeah. So no, I was just going to talk a little bit about um, Oscar's character, really. So he, Oscar, is mm. is disconnected from the world. We were saying earlier about you see him, he's stabbing a tree and, and, and obviously reenacting something that he wants to he wants to do for real. And he's being bullied and he can't confide in his parents. And he's kind of fantasizing about getting revenge on these bullies. But then obviously he meets he meets Ely and they they bond over a, a Rubik's Cube. And you know a film set in the 80s, if there's a Rubik's Cube. If you see a Rubik's Cube, it's like 80s. I've never owned a Rubik's Classic. Cube. True story. Maybe when I went to playtime, you know, one of those uh, gaming places that you go when you're younger well you took a rubik's cube with you did you everyone's playing street fighter 2 and you've got a rubik's cube in the corner <laughs> like a nerd yep that's, a, that's exactly <laughs> what i was doing <laughs> a couple of scenes i really liked in this cats there was a lot of cats in this film oh yes i really i really like we talk about cats all the time on this podcast no <laughs> i don't know what's going on we've we've reviewed cats we talked about cats last week. I don't know what's going on. You reviewed Catwoman, didn't you? That's right. That's and, then we, right. And, then vam- and then cats are in, in vampire stuff, apparently. But yeah, there was um, a scene where, where Virginia, who, Virginia gets bitten by Ely at one point. 
and she starts That's to turn bad. into a vampire and she mm-hmm. goes to her apartment and there's cats everywhere and the cats just attack her and she throws herself really down insane. the stairs and and stuff but um she later on this is something i was going to ask you actually because that character virginia she mm. is in the hospital and she kind of realizes that she's becoming a vampire i don't know why you would think your first assumption would be oh yeah i'm turning into a vampire but you know she does it let's yeah. go with it she knows that something's not right anyway yeah but she for some reason she knows that sunlight's going to hurt her so she asks the doctor to open mm. the blinds and she catches fire and she she just goes up in flames and that's a really good scene and i wondered how the american version might be similar the same different the american version so so it goes straight to the point that She's been bitten and there's no the none of that cat scene either. Really? She gets bitten and then she's in hospital and the police officer's talking to her friend and next minute the nurse opens the blinds and then she catches fire. So that's what happens in the American version. Like because in the Swedish version she it's obvious that she's destroying herself. She realizes she's becoming a vampire and the whole point is that mm. she doesn't want to live like that so she gets someone to open the blinds and she's destroying herself. So in the American version that's lost then it's just an accident. Yeah. And then the, there's like a news report in the in the next scene saying oh uh, six stories of the hospital caught on fire by an unknown thing blah blah blah. Yeah. So yeah that's what happens in the American version. Okay. All right, well, one nil to the Swedish version at the moment. I re- I said before, I really enjoyed the setting of it. The snow maybe was like a metaphor for repressed feelings and stuff. Maybe I'm stating the obvious here, but, you know, the snow covers mm. over, like, there was one bit when they were trying to find a body, weren't they? And the snow had cover up, covered up the blood and stuff. So when they start digging through, they, yeah. they find the blood. And I was thinking, well, that's kind of like what the, the human characters are doing here, so, and the vampire characters. You know, under the surface, there's darkness and blood. I really love the ending. Oh. Like, my God, it's amazing. And they also, I was think, I wasn't too sure whether they were going to do a similar ending to the American one, because in the Swedish one, the bullies set fire. The instructor goes out, and then they set, they tell everyone all the bullies to get out of the pool except for him. Yeah. Where in the American version, they're like, oh, there's a fire, everyone out. And so, oh, what is Owen is the uh, Oscar character in the American version. So he heads to his locker and then the bullies get him and then throw him in the pool. Really? Yeah. So that's the American version. But this, this, how it ends in the Swedish and the American version are the same. So you get to see that whole uh, Illy character like popping these uh, bullies up. It sounds to me already like that the American version lost something because when when you were saying about did you say the American version of Oscar was called Owen? Owen, that's right. Yeah. So when when Owen, if he if they sort of took him and they threw him in the pool, one bit that I really liked about the Swedish version is that Oscar was already in the pool and he was doing his exercises and when the coach went out, one of the bullies came in and was pretending to sort of be his mate. Yeah, and he was like yeah. you know, doing a and I, that song that was on there. Flash in the night. I've been listening to that so much. <laughs> and um, that I just that particular scene I thought was was my favourite, I'd say, single image was when the bully came up and he's marching in front of Oscar and Oscar's really happy. He's like, shit, like, I've made a friend. And it's tragic. Yeah. And it was really good because you see it does a close-up of the bully's trainers as well, which is good because later on you see his trainers being dragged across the pool. So if the American version hasn't got that, specific bit in then i'm i'm not on for it i mean i i I watched the american version maybe 10 years ago and i think i quite liked it yeah but i don't think i'd ever bother watching it again i would just always go back to this this swedish yeah i I totally agree with that but look great all that underwater stuff was i've never i don't think i've ever seen anything like how creative brilliant he's being held underwater isn't he by the the bullies the bully says you've got to hold your breath for three minutes so i'm going to stab your eye out but he holds him underwater and you see the arm holding his, his hair under the water. When you see that, you know that you're going to see an, a severed arm floating around in the water at some point, but you're just waiting for it. But the way that it's done, because the sound is muffled, it's underwater sound and the, like the white, like the kind of movement of the water and stuff. So when you see the feet dragging across the water and the head falling, it's beautiful. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it completely absorbed me. And I watched that scene three times. I, I watched it, rewound it twice and watched ended up watching it three times and then i went on spotify and downloaded the song and i i must have listened to it no lie 
maybe 12 times in a row yesterday. I did a long walk wow. and I just listened to it constantly. I, I, every now and again, there's a film where a song and a scene just go together really well for me. And then whenever I hear that song, I just think of that scene. Apparently the Paul scene wasn't in the book. That was an invention for the film. And the, the book is bastard long, apparently. Ah. It's, it's re, apparently it's yeah. so long, so I'll never read it. <laughs> apparently what they did is they just had a, like a police report description of what happened in the Paul scenes. Whereas obviously in a film ah. we got to see what happened. Yeah, cool. Like I said, I'm never going to read the book, but it does seem to me like this film probably has done, left out all the right stuff and then added in all the right stuff, if you know what I mean. It sounds like they've, they've got that, yeah. that balance perfect. So there's a very quick flash of a scar on Ely. There's a point where Ely is in the apartment with Oscar and uh, she gets has a shower and stuff and Oscar says, go, go on, go and borrow one of my mum's dresses. And there's a very quick flash of a scar. And apparently in the book, there's this whole thing about gender identity and the main character, Ely, it was maybe a boy originally a boy. And, and i yeah. think that i don't know the details but apparently she started off as a boy and then her genitals were removed so she became feminine Thank but you. that's not really like yeah. i don't know it's not really accurate is it in, in the way things work so i'm glad that they left that out but it, i think they did a really good job of just leaving it hinted at so they just say, because she does say a couple of times in the film as well, she says, I'm not a girl. I'm not a girl. She says it a couple of times. And we all assume she, she means I'm not a girl, I'm a vampire. It, could, it can also be read as, as um, like a gender identity thing as well. So I, I, I thought that was quite good. That's what I mean. There's so much going on in this film. And even just flashes of things mm. kind of re- refer to things in the book. They cut that, they cut that bit out. Well... You do see um, Owen's character look into the room, but you don't see her, like, what she looks like. You only just yeah. see him just peeking through the door and then closing the door. Yeah. Where in this film, you actually see her her body very briefly and then uh, Oscar's character closing the door. For some reason, the school teacher, is, it sounds like the, the school teacher's reading Tolkien to the class at one point maybe the hobbit or the lord of the rings thing and i don't really know what the relevance of that was if anyone's listened to this and i know what that means can you let us know because i've got a clue <laughs> let us know yeah why would i read in lord of the rings what relevance is that because usually like if they're reading a piece of literature or something in a film it's usually got some kind of meaning in it sucks being a vampire when you're 12 doesn't it yeah would you want to be a vampire i mean I'd, I'd have a few caveats but certainly i would give it some very serious consideration yeah i i think so i, I what about you I mean, you can only go out in the in the evening. Party all night. <laughs> Sleep all day. Party all night. It sounds like a holiday in Ibiza. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. Not for you. I'm still. I'm still kind of young. You're quite old. <laughs> no, I'm hey. joking. I'm joking. Hey. Well, <laughs> I think you're not wrong though. Like, there's a very limited window of opportunity for like peak vampirism isn't there like age-wise because you you don't want to be 12 and you don't want to be 80 exactly you've got to be not saying that you're 80 (laughs) i know i'm not 80 mate i might feed it sometimes i might be 80 by the time we finish this podcast (laughs) what else can i say about let the right one in really i mean i just i thought this film was absolutely knockout i thought it was i thought it was great i can't wait to watch it again and i I never rate a film i never give a, a film a 10 if I haven't seen it more than once, I can't. I have to watch it more because that 10-star rating for me is, is for a film I can watch over and over. I think I will yeah. be able to with this one, but I'm not sure. So I'm going to I'm gonna give it a nine for now and then probably change my, my, my mind later. What about you? Yeah, I give it a nine, 100%. Yeah. Right, if, we're, if we're done with Let the Right One In then, should we move on to What We Do In The Shadows, which is a, a comedy vampire film? Right, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, 2014, 86 minutes long, directed by Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement. Taika Waititi, obviously known for sort of Marvel films now with Thor, and Jermaine Clement was in Flight of the Concords. Um, and they're funny dudes, they're funny Kiwis, they're funny fuckers. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a mock documentary vampire film. Tagline, some interviews with some vampires. Synopsis, vampire housemates try to cope with the complexities of modern life and show a newly turned hipster some of the perks of being undead. 
I've seen this quite a few times. I watched it twice for the podcast because when I'm watching a film, I, it's hard to, I don't know how you feel, but when I'm watching a film, I try to take notes as well, but that does mean that you sometimes miss things. Mm. So I have to rewind it yeah. and then you're sort of out of the flow. So I watched this, took notes and then put it on again. I, I think this is hilarious, this film. It, it makes me die. It makes me die. There's a joke in every scene. And we haven't done a cast yet. Should we do the cast? Let's do the cast. Let's do the cast. Right. So Jermaine Clement as Vladislav the pop girl. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get that in somewhere. Taika Waititi as Viago. Johnny Bra as Deacon. Corey gonzalez McKeon as Nick. Stu Rutherford as Stu. And Ben Francham as Peter. Budget was 1.6 million. And the worldwide box office was 7 million. Two low-budget films this week, mate, as well. Two low-budget vampire films, yeah. both under five mil. This film makes me laugh so much that even the logo makes me laugh because it was the New Zealand documentary <laughs> board. <laughs> I don't know. It's a silly joke, but it makes me laugh because they're trying to say this is a serious thing. <laughs> what I love about this film is that it's, it's a load of vampires doing a flat share, but they're all playing it quite straight. There's a joke in pretty much... It. There's either a joke in every scene... Or there's a setup to a joke in every scene. And there's always stuff. I've probably seen this maybe six times now. And even last night, mm-hmm. there's still stuff that I'm noticing. There are three, three vampires sharing this flat. There's Viago, who's kind of inept, a uh, bit, bit of a romantic. <laughs> there's Vladislav, who's kind of fallen from grace. He was meant to be this big, kind of large in life vampire and he did orgies made people do orgies and killed babies and all that sort of stuff i was known as yeah. vladislav the poker and then <laughs> and then deacon deacon is the rebel because he doesn't do the washing up <laughs> oh yeah that's all right <laughs> yeah. and like swears and stuff it's brilliant um and they're arguing about the chores and the rotor the viago has got the rotor on the wall this ro- deacon you haven't done the washing up in five years it's moving five years <laughs> Oh god! I love that the, the whole the, the twenty first twenty minutes of this film is is, is just brilliant. And then I, I think the genius of this film for me is the first twenty minutes. It's just joke, 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 joke. And then after that was where Nick kind of gets introduced, and then that's where the plot sort of develops. Oh, yeah. Just at the point where it might start to wear a little bit thin, plot, and then they start to push that along, and that brings in more jokes with the new characters they introduce there. And that for me is like the genius of this film. I think we drink virgin's blood because it sounds cool. <laughs> Vladislav is explaining um i guess i guess the documentary crew are meant to have asked him why do you drink virgin's blood and he says i think of it like this if you're going to eat a sandwich you would just enjoy it much more if you knew no one had fucked it <laughs> if you're going to eat a victim put out some towels <laughs> yeah which i really like that bit because later on it, I love it when they set up a joke. He's putting newspaper down. Yeah. And then later on, about five minutes later, he's got a victim and you, you see him start putting down newspaper on the floor. And it's, there's no dialogue in that bit, but you just, because of that joke that had been set up before, it's very, it's very funny. The way that this is edited as well, the way it sort of lingers on faces after a joke's been said. And if it's a serious face, then it'll cut to something ridiculous. I, I, think, it's, I think it's great. Deacon's familiar brings... Nick and someone else into the house so they can <laughs> so they can drink their blood. And basically Nick tries to escape, but he gets turned. Peter turns him into <laughs> still makes me laugh, Peter. <laughs> Peter. Peter, Peter, oh turns, Peter turns Nick into a vampire. Oh, he, so that, Nick dies and then it cuts forward two months and and then we see we see Nick trying to get in through the window. Uh, while he's, he's flying <laughs> Deacon why can't you go through the front door <laughs> yes we have a front door <laughs> when Nick's integrated into the group he brings his other mate Stu and the joke is that they kind of all like Stu more than they like Nick and everyone kind of bonds <laughs> yeah, over their yeah. friendship for Stu which is which is where the, the you know the plot comes from because it's kind of about loneliness like much like the, the like the let the right one in as well it's got that those themes of loneliness mm. I guess that's pretty common of all vampire stuff, right? It's got that loneliness theme, but but yes, yeah, Stu brings them new technology that they ha- they've never seen before. He brings them a computer and uh, anything you want, you can type it into the computer. And Vialgo Vial- right. Vial- goes, <laughs> "I lost a really nice scarf around 1912." <laughs> yes, Google that. 
I was I said earlier about there was one joke that I'd never noticed before. And it was when mm-hmm. they were getting ready. It was really early on in the film. It was when they're getting ready to go out into Wellington. Uh, the big... Com- their first big, night out. <laughs> yeah, the big Camara, <laughs> is it? Who votes for the big Camara? <laughs> but yeah, it's when they're getting ready and uh, Vladislav is trying on all these... They're all trying on clothes, but, but Vladislav is trying on oh, clothes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they say, oh, one of the worst things about being a vampire is that you, you haven't got a reflection, so you can't see what you look like getting ready. As Vladislav is getting ready, De- <laughs> Deacon's doing a sketch of Vladislav and it shows it to him. <laughs> and I'd never noticed it before. There's no dialogue or anything. Yeah. Talk, talking about the Mera stuff, I like it when they're at the ball and you see them dancing and you and I think is it just Stu is the only one that can see in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> the, mas- the masquerade ball. He's, he's talking okay. about his, um, his arch nemesis, the beast, the whole way through him. Uh, the whole way through the film. And the, the joke is at the end, it turns out it was just his ex-girlfriend. <laughs> he calls it the beast. <laughs> yeah. And they have a bit of a run-in because um, he's not going to... They all figure out... that They all go to the ball and Stu's a human and they all figure out that Stu's a human and they all want to eat him because there's zombies and there's witches and there's other vampires. And uh, the, I love the zombie in this. He's, he's wearing a suit and stuff. And, he, and he, again, he plays it straight and all the jokes come from him playing things completely straight and he, yeah. he's sitting down next to Stu this zombie guy and he goes uh, can I ask you a personal question Stu's like yeah yeah. are you uh, are you pre-deceased <laughs> and, uh, and and that's when they, like, everyone kind of finds out Stu's a human and they want to eat him so they have to escape it was in 2005 they made a 28 minute short film uh, which was shot over the course of a few days in Wellington the short is on the Blu-ray, and I have watched it before, but it was quite a while ago, oh. so I don't really remember it. But the feature-length version, obviously, it took nine years to make the feature-length version, and it's 85 minutes long, but apparently they shot between 120 and 150 hours of stuff. Whoa. While the story was kind of locked in, you know, they, had the, they knew where they were going with it, all of the dialogue was improvised, mm-hmm. and hen- hence the 100, yeah. 120, 150 hours, I guess. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of work's gone into what we do in the shadows, and it's and it's well worth it. And they made a show. I don't know if you if you heard of it, heard of the show. Yeah, watched... I saw that. They've, they've got, but yeah, there's there's been two seasons of it so far. Yeah, I watched a few a few episodes. I think last year, uh, or maybe not last year. Maybe it was, maybe it's the start of the year. But they're really good. It's 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 very okay. it's, it's the same. It's the same thing, but with different characters, pretty much. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's good. I'll definitely watch that. If you like this, then you'd probably like the show. The other scene that I really like is when they, uh, when the police come to their house, yeah, and Peter's just been, <laughs> Peter's just been burned. Yeah. The the neighbors said that there's been a fire, and you think that they're gonna get qu- caught out every time. Yeah. Like, oh, look up there, and Nick's like, Nick's in the corner. He's like, yeah. there is no fire alarm here. There's a joke. At the, there's a joke at the start of the film um, where Deacon is saying. It turns out Deacon was a Nazi, and he's like, "I don't know if you know, but the Nazis lost the war. If you're a Nazi, no. <laughs> if you're a vampire, no. If you're a Nazi vampire, no way." And um, <laughs> ap- ap- apparently, they were looking to remove that joke because they weren't entirely happy with the nature of it. But they could, they didn't have anything else to replace it with. Um, but I think it's fine. I mean. I think it's quite funny to be honest, but it's more yeah. facial expressions that he pulls. So he's kind of, like, oh, you know, not <laughs> right. So yeah. So final, final thoughts on the film, really. I mean, I said earlier, like I'd never noticed this before, but obviously themes of loneliness are common in, in vampire stuff and mm-hmm. let the right one in what we do in the shadows, completely different films, different tones of film, comedy, drama, but they've both still had that, those themes of loneliness. So Viago, Viago obviously got posted to the wrong country and, and missed the opportunity to be with the love of his life. <laughs> um, Vladislav still ruminates over his uh, ex-girlfriend, whom he refers to as the beast. And also Deacon was really pally with Peter and Peter died. So they all lost something, which I thought was quite, that's yeah. what makes this film a bit more for me. It's just a bit more than a comedy because it does have that theme and they all kind of get together and bond over their friendship with, with Stuart and sort of Nick. So yeah. And it's like I say, I think it's perfectly paced. And for me, it's uh, another nine out of 10. Oh, wow. 
don't don't hate me. <laughs> I don't hate you. I hate you. Uh, I'm gonna give this a seven. I feel okay. like partly because I think the problem with this film for me is I watch this in pieces. Well, that's not a problem with the film, is it? That's a that's a problem with your viewing experience. <laughs> you need to watch it properly. I know. I think if I if I watch it a couple more times, then I'll begin to enjoy it more. And it was my first time seeing this film. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Sometimes we just, if things don't hit you, they don't hit you. But seven's still a good score. Seven's still a good yeah, score Yeah, seven for a is film. still a good score. It's not, um, uh, I mean, it's, I, I love it because it just makes me, every scene makes me laugh. And uh, yeah. I just think it's really well crafted. They had so long to make this film. And I think they, they just got the pacing exactly right. I think they used all the right jokes. They had so much footage. And I think they just had so much that were able to craft this perfect little joke machine that just keep is relentless with jokes. It just keeps piling them out. Did they make an ex- like an extended version of this film, considering no. they had so much footage? No, okay. they didn't. They've got they've got some deleted scenes on the Blu-ray, which again I haven't watched for a while. I'd probably watch more scenes on their own, but I don't think that they need to muck about with a film. I think if they added stuff to the film, I think it would take away from it because that's one of the things that's, yeah. that that works for it for me. It's it's, it's very short. And it's paced really well. And I think if you're going to add stuff to it, I think it's going to change the whole dynamic of it. And I don't like it. I don't like the idea of it. So don't do not do a director's cut, please. <laughs> vampires. How do you feel about vampires now, then? You, you've learned so much about vampires. I have. Actually, I actually quite enjoyed it. It's not a topic that I would... It's Because we both have different lists of topics for films. Yeah. And vampires wasn't on my list. I'd sort of picked vampires a little bit on the fly, but then when, when, when I thought about it a bit more, it was actually quite a good, interesting one to do, to kind of, kind of do a little bit of research into it. But next time, it's your choice. It is my choice. Dan, do you know any Italian? Una cerveza, por favor. That's Spanish, mate. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know any Italian then. I must know some Italian. I must know some you Italian. Must. Ciao. Ciao. Uh, <laughs> Pavarotti. Pizza, spaghetti. <laughs> oh, come on. Biscotti. Biscotti. <laughs> Biscotti. <laughs> Don't get me started on biscotti. Stop it. Come on. What, um, what, are you choosing? what are you choosing then? Italian cinema is next week's topic. Italian cinema. Italiano. I studied Italian at, back in the day at school and I, I can get by... If I was living, if I was in Italy, I can get by talking to people and asking for directions and studied a few films while studying Italian as well. So why not? Let's give yeah. it a go. And also the, a couple of weeks ago when I said numero uno, <laughs> you also said, I don't speak Spanish and that was Italian. <laughs> I'm not very good on languages. You keep bringing languages into <laughs> stuff and I'm like, I'm like an idiot of myself. <laughs> Don't like it. Uh, but you said you want more culture, so maybe this will give you more <laughs> more culture. So I guess because it's my topic, I should go first. So um, a couple of the films that I've chosen were films that I studied at school. And then the last one I've chosen uh, is a recommendation from my Italian mate. I'm going to say the titles in Italian and in English. You were just trying to screw with my head, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. So numero uno, which means number one, is La Vita Bella. So life is beautiful. Okay. Numero due, number two, is Cinema Paradiso, Paradise Cinema. And then numero tre is Grandi Magazzini, Department Store, for number three. And then my three picks. I'm surprised. I really thought. La Dolce Vita was going to make an appearance on your list. What was the one that your uh, Italian mate recommended to you? Uh, department store, Grandi Magazzini. Okay. Comedy. You need my films, don't you? No. <laughs> yeah. Numero uno. You're going to say them? <laughs> Am I going to say the Spanish title? No, I'm bloody well not. <laughs> Lucky that I can say it in English, mate. It takes us 12 attempts to get the English title when I'm going. God. God, we'll be here all day. Lockdown will be finished by the time we finish this podcast. <laughs> Italian cinema for me is a complete blind spot. I don't know anything about Italian cinema whatsoever. So I refer to someone that, that knows a bit more about Italian Italian cinema. 
Uh, and that's our pod, new podcast pals over at Radio Gorepress, and they suggested a couple of couple of horrors for me. So I've used oh nice. I've used two of their suggestions. So the first one I'm going to go for is <laughs> I don't know how you're going to feel about this. <laughs> All right. Zombie flesh eaters, directed by Lucio <laughs> Fulci. Flesh eaters. <laughs> yep. Have you got Have you got all that? My second choice is Tenebre. I think I pronounced that correctly. Someone will correct me, probably. Directed <laughs> by Dario Argento, and I really wanted to get an Argento film in there. My third choice is not horror. It's a spaghetti western, a fistful of dollars. Interesting. So to recap, then. You chose La Vita Bella, or Life is Beautiful, Cinema Paradiso, which is Paradise Cinema, and the other one. What was the other one called? <laughs> department, department Store. We'll go with Department Store. We'll go with Department Store. I chose Zombie Flesh Eaters, Tenebre, and Fistful of Dollars. And now we need to knock one out of each other's list to leave us with four left. And we, we can't talk about them. We just need to immediately knock one out. Um, I think I know what I'm going to knock out of yours, mate. Yeah, go. Why? You look worried. I have a feeling what which one you're going to get rid of it. It's going to be a good film. Anyway, go. Well, because, I mean, it's called Life is Beautiful. It sounds a little it. bit sentimental. And you said the other one was a comedy, and the other one's got the word cinema in it. La Vita Bella is gone from our Italian cinema list. Right, what are you going to knock out of mine? Iconic film. Sorry. Well. That's how it works, mate. Sorry. You knew this when you signed a contract. There was a contract? Uh, yeah. It definitely was. Um, well, lost that in the mail. Um, okay, out of your films, I'm going to get rid of Zombie Flesh Eaters. Okay, had a feeling. Sorry. No, it's all right, mate. I, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I get it. There are two horrors on my list, so you've knocked out one of them. So we're left with a, a horror and a western. Uh, so to recap then, in your list, we've got left Cinema Paradiso and The Department Store. And in my list, we've got left Tenebre and a fistful of dollars. Cinema Paradiso. How you say cinema? Cinema. So it's funny because it, they say the English title is Cinema Paradiso and then the Italian title is Nuovo Cinema Paradiso, which means new cinema paradise, new paradise cinema. Okay. Anyway. Really loving all these lang- language lessons. <laughs> Listen, I've got to learn English first before I veer into other languages. I'm not quite there with my, my English stuff yet. Cinema Paradiso. It's a 1988 film uh, directed by Giuseppe Tornato. The tagline is a celebration of youth, friendship and the everlasting magic of movies. And the synopsis is a filmmaker recalls his childhood when he fell in love with the movies at his village theatre and formed a deep friendship with the theatre's projectionists. Okay. So, Department Store, Brandi Magazzini, directed by Franco Castellano and Giuseppe Monzia. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, also another classic 1986 film. And the synopsis is a, a series of skits involving customers and store personnel from several departments of a big department store. So they're my two picks. Cinema Paradiso and the Department Store, both 80s films. I like this 80s vibe that we've got, got going on lately. Right, so my first pick, or the first one that I've got left in, was Tenebre. It was a 1982 film, 80s again, 101 mm. minutes long, and it was directed by Dario Argento. And this one comes quite highly recommended to me. So the tagline is, Terror Beyond Belief. <laughs> and the synopsis is, an American writer in Rome is stalked by a serial killer bent on harassing him while killing all people associated with his work on his latest book. So serial killer in Rome. Hmm. So that was, so that was Tenebra. I'm going to move on to my next one, which is a fistful of dollars. And I had a couple of horrors and I wanted to go for, for a spaghetti Western. And again, haven't seen this directed by Sergio Leone. 1964, 99 minutes long. Tagline is, in his own way, he is perhaps the most dangerous man who ever lived. The synopsis reads, this is quite long, so put your feet up, make a cup of tea, (laughs) strap yourself in. I actually do. (laughs) I do some stretches. (laughs) Right, the the man, you're right, you're not going to have another sleep, are you? No, I'm just doing some stretches. Right, cool. So the synopsis. 
The man with no name enters the Mexican village of San Miguel in the midst of a power struggle among the three Rojo brothers and Sheriff John Baxter. When a regiment of Mexican soldiers bearing gold intended to pay for a new weapon is waylaid by the Rojo brothers, the stranger inserts himself into the middle, middle of the long simmering battle, selling false information to both sides for his own benefit. I'm fairly certain that I'm not pronouncing the Rojo brothers correctly. It does sound a little bit Danny Dyer, doesn't it, when I say it? Rojo brothers. How else would you say it? I don't know. We'll go, with, we'll go with Rojo Brothers. It's fine. It don't matter. Right, so we've got those four left. I'm going to go something dark and go Tenebre. You're going to get rid of a fist full of dollars? Yeah. Excellent. All right, so we're going to keep Tenebre. I've got to knock one out of yours now, and I've got to choose between Cinema Paradiso and a department store. Um, I think I'm going to go with a department store. Oh. Keep that one. It's, that's the one that your friend recommended to you. Yeah. And again... In a similar way, similar to what we did this week, we went with a dark film and comedy. I think I'm gonna. That's sort of my reasoning behind this this one as well. So locked in for our Italian cinema episode next time. Then is the Department Store and Tenebre. Um, but while I was looking through kind of what to choose, obviously I spoke to someone, got some advice, and then there was a couple of other films that I was kind of considering putting on. So I've got a couple of honourable mentions. Call Me by Your Name, which seems like an obvious choice which we spoke about, oh, yeah. earlier, but that, that would have qualified. It was set in Italy and it's 80s yeah. again. The Italian job. Anyone could have had the Italian job. Yeah, that's true. Michael Caine or Mark Wahlberg, either would work. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've mentioned it already, but Suspiria, I was really considering putting that on. But uh, apart from that, my, my Italian cinema knowledge is pretty lacking and they're really the only ones that I was sort of considering. My uh, Italian mate, Patrizio, he also, he recommended a few other films for me. And the first one was La Romantica Donna Inglese. Do you know what that means? Um, The Romance of the English. Almost. Romantic English Woman. This one you should get easily. Lettera. Lettera? Yeah. What what does that translate to? Um, I don't know, mate. Letter. Oh, right. it is that simple. It is. And th- this, this is the one. This was one that I was potentially going to choose instead of um, uh, the department store. Was Il Commissario Lo Gatto, the commissioner, the cat. The commissioner <laughs> and the cat. <laughs> it would have been another. Could potentially been another cat film. Potentially, maybe we need to do a cat double bill. I think we've done all the cat films already, <laughs> accidentally. <laughs> right, so for our Italian episode next week, we're going to be watching The Department Store and Tenebre. And are we going to be doing Italian voices? If you want to. <laughs> are we going to, I mean, because we sort of started a tradition of dressing up now, haven't we? I mean, I, you've got chocolate powder on your face. And I've got beetroot on my face for the vampire episode. <laughs> we've got pretend blood on us. I, had to, I got yeah. to wear my drummer jacket, which I absolutely love. It's the only reason I yes. get to wear it. And um, yeah, so so next week is our, our Italian theme. So I'm thinking uh, maybe I might might draw a moustache on my upper lip. Maybe I'll sing a song about a cornetto. A lot of <laughs> a lot of people think I'm Italian already. So one that. <laughs> yeah. I guess that means that we've got to move on to the next section now, which is stitch up. And, and something else that that keeps happening is um, I keep losing. So I, yep. I lost last time and I had to watch The Snakes on a Train. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit now, mate. Um, I ain't got much to say about Snakes on a Train. Did you watch it all? That's the main thing. Oh, I watched it all, mate. I watched every, <laughs> I watched every 91 minutes of this film. All right, so Snakes on a Train. It was made in 2006. Uh, I'm just going to do the tagline, first planes, now trains. Can I be bothered to do this synopsis, really? I mean, because that would kind of hint that there's a story, and there really isn't. Under a powerful Mayan curse, snakes are hatched inside a young woman, slowly devouring her from within. Her only chance for survival is a powerful shaman who lives across the border. With only hours to live, she jumps on a train headed for Los Angeles. Unfortunately for the passengers aboard, they are now trapped, soon to be victims of these flesh-eating vipers. So snakes on a train. The budget was one million. I could not find a box office for this. Maybe it went straight to DVD or Blu-ray. I, I think it did. I think it did. And when you picked Snakes on a Train, I thought that that would be a sequel to Snakes on a Plane, as you would. Hmm. 
but it's not. It turns out that Snakes on a Train is an asylum film. It's a production company who kind of, they make their money out of ripping off uh, blockbuster titles. For instance, you know, you know you've got Pacific Rim. Well, their version is Atlantic Rim. <laughs> uh, you've, got, you've got Transformers. Their version is Transmorphers. And they did a Titanic 2. I have heard of that. <laughs> Uh, but they're all the sort of films that are probably going to be featuring in, in Stitch Up a little bit more, I would say, going forward. All right, let's get straight into this. I, I know you're itching for me to get going with this film, so <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you out of your misery. Go on. Snake Curse. So Alma's got snakes that grow inside her because of a curse. And Miguel, I think he's her other half, and he's some kind of witch doctor. And he's, he's trying to keep the snakes from growing too big and from escaping from her body so the snakes don't kill all of the other people but i guess with many films that are kind of unconcerned with with character they tend to veer into stereotypes so we've got the frat boy stoners on the train we've got the tourist family we've got the traveling businessman and we've got the mule not the animal i've just made a little note here i must have been getting quite angry at this point because i've written the music sounds like it was made on music 2000 which is a, an old computer game that was on, the, I don't know if you know this, but PS1, there was a, a game called oh. Music and you could li- use little samples of, 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 of tracks and like move around like drum loops and pads and yeah. you could use melodies and whatnot. And it was a really good, good thing, but it didn't sound great. It sounded like you'd made it on a computer. And I wondered if they'd done that with this. But it was very, very low. So, you know. Possible. But it's possible. There's there's something in this film that, that I just thought why and it's a, probably a really minor thing but it was a scene where Miguel was kind of explaining this this snake curse to someone else on a train and he says what you got to do is you got to come and you got to go and fetch me some meat and he's like but you can't be seen no one can see you going to fetch this meat and I thought why why can't anyone see you going to fetch some meat just just say it's your lunch just say anything say anything I guarantee you their first assumption is not going to be ancient snake curse so i think i didn't get what that was all about like you know i would i would go i would assume zombies before i assumed ancient snake curse i would assume apparitions before i assumed ancient snake curse i would assume parallel i could go on forever ancient snake curse is the fucking probably last thing that would cross my mind the worst thing about this film is that it's Mm -hmm. dull It's, it's dull it's boring i think it was an hour and eight minutes before we actually saw a snake kill and the film's only an hour and a half long. God, seriously. So the first hour and ten is just all of them sitting on a train and you, the characters are kind of talking, but the dialogue is so bad. There's, there's one scene where a, a guy is talking to a woman and they're meant to be flirting, I think. I mean, I, I can't criticise anybody else's flirting, but, <laughs> but he, uh, she's explaining her life to him. Oh, yeah, I left my husband. And he's reaction to it was just he just kept laughing he's good <laughs> but it was so wooden and all i could the only thing i could think of right was the writers must have got so bored with writing snakes on a train what they just did is they just copied and pasted these dialogue and so it just said ha 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 to every, oh, everything she said God. it didn't matter whatever she said she could have been like oh i'm just i like triangle shaped sandwiches <laughs> i don't agree with global warming <laughs> <laughs> I think the oh world's overpopulated. Ha! It just, it was painful. All right, so I've, I've ripped into the worst thing. The acting was, was pretty bad. The music was pretty bad. I'm trying to write something, something positive, right? Should we, do, should we try and balance yeah. it out? Yeah, let's balance it out. Best scene. Giant snake eats train. I mean, it sounds brilliant. It sounds brilliant. And it looks, to be fair... That bit, I think they spent the whole million quid on that one like, four-second scene. <laughs> it's quite dark, so you can't see it that great. But it looks all right. It yeah. looks like a giant snake eating a train, and that's what hmm. you want to. That's why you watch snakes in a train, right? You want to see giant snakes eat shit. The sin of this film is that it's dull. It can be. I like a silly film. I like a silly monster film. I really enjoyed Crawl last year, which is a bit silly. But there's giant crocodiles and they're trying to kill people. But it's fun. And it's ridiculous, but it's fun. And it's silly. And it's tongue-in-cheek. This is just boring. For the first hour and ten minutes, it's boring. And even when the snakes come into it, it's not, it's not very exciting. I will say that some of the special effects are quite good. The, the, the snake looked all right, I guess. For a film that was made in 2006, the, the visual effects 
weren't too weren't too bad uh, at the end and uh, and the special effects as well some of the snakes coming out of wounds and going into wounds that looked all right that was quite good but there was so so little of it that it really didn't make any difference on the overall film it's i'm going to give it two justice leagues i'm going to give it two justice okay. leagues because the two leads were okay they were they were pretty good for, for the dialogue was rubbish uh, so they did all right i think with what they had and some of the effects were mm, all right based on that basis two justice leagues i can't give it that's the absolute maximum i can give snakes on a train um snakes down the drain <laughs> brilliant review thanks mate um shall we move on to the to the next bit where we talk about the pole or poles i should say yeah, why, don't, why, why do we do that? <laughs> what what happened? The the poll well, the polls were on my Instagram, and I say polls because on last week's episode, Dan by accidentally said Jurassic Park. We had a bit of a giggle, and I thought, yeah. oh, wouldn't it be interesting if we see what the public think? Because you said Jurassic Park. But I corrected myself. I did correct myself. <laughs> you though. did. You did. I could have just if I'd have just cut it out, no one would know. No. But it was comical. I quite. Yeah, I'm glad that fun. you kept it in. A bit of fun. So I thought a bit of fun. Let's. Uh, besides just doing the poll, um, which was uh, Jurassic Sharks for me to watch if I lost, and ET visitors for you to watch. Yeah. So I'll I'll do the first poll, which is whether Jurassic Shark or Jurassic Park. There was twelve votes on that. Okay. And the voters were with you. I should watch Jurassic Park shark no matter what the actual poll now dan can you can you remind me who you voted for <laughs> are you doing this are you are you grossing yep. me up immediately <laughs> so you put whenever we put the poll on don't we i put it on and yep. you put it on we take it in turns but obviously yeah. we've got one vote each so obviously we always vote for each other yeah and uh yeah i i uh i didn't even realize till you told me but i voted for myself <laughs> to watch extraterrestrial visitors i actually i voted for myself and then i reposted it on my story and like put arrows towards it as well and then i told everyone else to vote for me as well accidentally <laughs> moron oh gosh well i'm gonna i'm gonna give you some chance with this so there was 11 votes on this okay so odd number do you want to change your vote and make it jurassic shark <laughs> Or do you want to keep it as ET visitors? Obviously, I want to change my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Are you giving me that opportunity? Yeah. Seriously? I am. <laughs> yeah, of course. So we're changing it that you've voted for Jurassic Shark oh, now. Oh, thank, thanks, independent adjudicator. Yes. Put me out, come on, put me out my misery. What's going on? <laughs> it doesn't make a difference. You have to watch <laughs> ET visitors. <laughs> I knew it. You podcast on your own. Dad, come back. <laughs> Dad has left the building, everyone. Right, okay, so I've got to watch extraterrestrial visitors then. Yay, brilliant. Yay. I can't wait. This is going to be brilliant and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well played. Uh, shall, shall we choose our movies for next week? I feel like you, you have gone first the, first the last couple of weeks as well, which may have been the disadvantage. Let, let me give you my choice. Okay. I thought I still kind of go with Italian films. It's not in Italian. Okay. It's called Little Italy. Little Italy. Yeah. And it doesn't sound too bad. It's a romance film, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you could choose something a lot worse for me and the voters will go against me. I'm going, I'm going full gore for you. This is, a fi this is a film that I think it's Mark on Movie Drone. It keeps coming up and uh, okay. he's, not, he's not a fan. It's called Brain Dead. Oh. And there's uh, lots of killings and murderous zombies and limbs coming off and lawnmowers on heads. Sounds delightful. What, what is it called? Brain Dead. Oh, it does. I'm looking at the... Oh, that's funny. Because it's got high ratings. Like, it's... it's well, I don't think I'll, I'll be in a hurry to watch it again because I remember it quite clearly when I was a child. But, um, yeah, it's, an, it's, it's Peter Jackson. So it's a, 
It's quite a, oh. it's a cult. It's a cult film. It's meant a lot of people rate it, mate. But it's just super gory. And I just wanted to, I don't know. I want you to watch something. <laughs> and it's, I want it to be gory. So for the next poll then, you might be watching Brain Dead. And for me, I might be watching Little Italy. Which, they, they could be more different, really, could they? <laughs> <laughs> Romance versus zombies and dead limb dead murderers. Brains. Limb removers. Are we done? I think we're done. We're done, aren't we? That was our vampire episode. <sighs> didn't do enough of that, did we? We didn't do enough hissing. Maybe I'll sample some more hissing and I'll just drop it in randomly. But yeah, so uh, thank, thanks for listening. Next time is going to be our Italian cinema episode and we're going to be watching The Department Store and Tenebre. I'm going to be watching the Spanish film Extraterrestrial Visitors. For the poll, it's Brain Dead versus Little Italy, which will go on my poll. And yeah, thanks for listening. If you want to catch up with me, I'm on Instagram at flick.face, on Twitter, I'm flick underscore face. And if you want to email the show, twinpixpod at gmail.com. Where can we find you, mate? Mate, you can find me on Instagram at chikanika or nika creative. Yay, social media stuff Yay. plugged. It's all done. Yeah. You, know, you know we finished an episode when you've done the social media stuff. Can't <laughs> lie, it's just a way of saying goodbye, isn't it? Yeah. Are we done then? Should we go? Because uh, it's still it's still daytime for me, and I think I'm going to reward myself with a little run. You're going to run away from all this madness. I'm going to run away from the pole. I'm going to run away from my shame. I'm going to run away from the podcast. I'm I'm still stuck on the shame wall of shame wall. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if you get off that wall of shame. I hope you don't. I hope you stay out there for another week. Ah. I think you should. Be, I think you should start there a couple of weeks. No, I'll, 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 I'll bring you a, like a, a protein bar or something. Okay. And snack on that. It'd be like David Blaine when he was locked in that magic box. Can you get me a like a, a human's finger? A what? <laughs> a human's finger. <laughs> a human, like, right, okay. Be, be like a chicken nugget. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's what you want, I'd have to obviously go and murder someone. So it could be a problem. Yeah. Right, let's let's stop talking about severed fingers now. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Get some Chuck Norris in ya. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely our new sign off. <laughs>